it's more about supporting what your partner wants to do, mm-hmm. not pushing what you think is right for your partner. Hello everyone, my name is Sarah and I am a co-active life coach as well as the host for MindPod. This is a place where I will be inviting interesting human beings to explore an idea. So let's see what we can stir up. Our guest today is Tavish Shimajiri, who's also half Japanese and half Pakistani like me. We both grew up together in Dubai and have known each other for 23 years. He's been teaching English for eight years now, currently managing several schools in Tokyo. He trains teachers how to teach and develops curriculum. He's been married for five years and a father to a four-year-old son. So let's invite him in. What's up, Tabish? Hello, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm really excited to have the conversation about family today with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, me too. Awesome. So let's get started. So today in the series of what does it mean to be a man in 2020, we're going to be covering family. And within family, we're going to talk about the roles of a husband, a son, and a father. Let's start with a husband. So Tavish, can you tell me what are the differences between being a husband versus being a boyfriend? The relationship you have with your partner doesn't really change much when you get married. You still go back, I mean, assuming if you are living together, you still go back to the same house, you still have the same conversations, you still have the same relationship. Mm -hmm. But what does change is the contract that legally binds us together. And after we get married, after we sign that contract, so Mm -hmm. in that sense, it changed. But honestly, when we got married, we signed the papers, we handed into the city office, and we were like, oh, that's it. You know, we didn't really feel any immediate change whatsoever. But uh, when we started talking about our financial needs and our medical needs and insurance, health insurance, life insurance, all that stuff, that's when it starts to change. And that's when you realize that, oh, I am dependent on this person for many things now. And this person is dependent on me for many things now. So it sounds like there's more responsibilities that you both share as a partnership. Yes. What are the challenges you had as you spent more time with uh, your wife? When you spend so much time together with each other, you kind of just run out of interesting things to talk about. What you have left is what you did that day or where your interests are right now. For example, my wife is hardcore getting into Korean dramas right now. And I have like zero interest in Korean dramas. Like I'll, I'll come home or like random times during the day, she'll just come up to me and tell me what's going on in her Korean drama. And I'll have this look on my face. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm, uh, yeah, okay. Like even if I don't have any interest in it, I will still hear her out. And, mm. you know, and also, uh, you know, I love video games. I play a lot of video games. And when I talk to my wife about the video games that I play, where my interests are, she'll give me the same look. She'll be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. But she still, you know, hears me. Not, not necessarily listening to me, but she still hears. And, you know, I share my excitement with her. I think it's just that in a really, really long-term relationship, it gets to a point where you're not building a relationship anymore because you have such a strong foundation. And once you have that strong foundation, um, it doesn't matter what you throw into it. It doesn't matter if you have opposite interests. As long as you have that strong foundation, you can throw anything onto it and it will still stay strong. 
there was a moment uh, where my wife would be like, you know, we don't talk anymore like we used to. You used to tell me about uh, your work. You used to tell me about uh, what's going on and things like that. And and at that moment, I thought, yeah, she's right. Like, you know, I don't talk about my work with her anymore because it, it gets to a point where my work is always the same. I don't know if there's a difference between a man and a woman. I just feel like I don't want to talk about something or I don't want to share about something if I don't have anything new. So I'm a woman and I understand that we don't talk anymore uh, sentence. Mm -hmm. It's true that the more time you spend with someone, the less conversation you would have just because you can see how that person is living. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've said all the things that you could think of that is new. And from my experience, um, I think not all the guys, but many of them like to talk about problems that can be solved, something practical, something that you're learning, you know? But conversations doesn't necessarily have to be always effective. It, it's also checking in with how you're doing. Mm -hmm. Everything okay? Is your mind cloudy? Do you want to talk about it? So it's also sharing frustration, sharing concerns, sharing even like um, conceptual thinking, you know, conceptual thoughts. What if this happens? What if that happens? What would you do if you were in this person's place? It can go anywhere. And uh, I think we're so much used to talking about what we do on a daily basis. We don't spend enough time exploring. Mm hmm Right. And especially when when you have a child, I'm sure a lot of the focus goes to your concerns about your children. What I've noticed is when you give yourself your own time and also for your partner. And when you spend time away, actually, there's a lot to catch up <laughs> or like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's more conversations later. So, for example, if your wife goes and visits her family for a couple of days and comes back mm -hmm. i'm sure there's more conversations there mm -hmm. yeah definitely um I, i'm not saying that i don't have conversations with my wife yeah but when you're when you're with somebody for a really really long time everything becomes informative that's by the way my wife is sitting she's communicating to me or i take it as a communication that she's upset or she's happy about something just by in my family i i can't cook at all and my wife is a nutritionist so she's the one who cooks for the family and i'm the one who cleans up after just by seeing what sort of dinner she's prepared today she's communicating with me or i take it as a communication how she's feeling today communication is not just verbal i feel like uh, my wife included um i feel like a lot of women kind of focus on the verbal communication but uh, communication is basically everything you do when you are with that person the way you speak the way you sit the way you the way you blink your eyes and things like that and even silence can be a very powerful communication tool as well so i think that's the difference where I'm always observing for information. I just, I think that's how our brains work. So when I come home and I sit down on my couch, I already know somewhat, of course, I do have to ask what happened or how was your day and things like that. Of course I do, but I do have a general idea of how my son or my wife's day went. Mm -hmm. So because you've spent a lot of time, you can pick up on, uh, on hints based on, 
their behavioral change or mood or vibes mm-hmm. how often has it been accurate oh fairly accurate um you know sometimes i'll come home i feel like there was an argument there with my wife and my child um sometimes i'll come home and i see my son running around with like great excitement and that's when i realized that, you know he got a new toy from his grandmother when you lived with somebody for a really long time those hints are fairly accurate of course if you're observant enough those things become fairly accurate yeah but what about those people who don't understand let's say silence or um, the body language or the expression of their partner's face and continues to let's say um, you know focus on their hobbies or you know be busy with their work So that's where the question of uh, the foundation comes in. If you don't build a strong foundation with your partner, from uh, it doesn't even have to be from the beginning, from somewhere random place in a relationship, you could start building your uh, foundation even after you get married. There's no time limit on when you can build a foundation. So what is this foundation? consist of the foundation is the deep conversations that you have with your partner mm. and understanding what sort of a person that partner is and mm-hmm. vice versa your partner understanding you uh, who you are what sort of a person you are and what you like you don't always have to agree or even like what your partner likes but as long as you have a deep understanding of each other i feel like you'll have a strong foundation mm-hmm. i have another question do you have free time and How do you spend that free time? I do have free time. Uh, of course, not as much as I did when I was single. Obviously not. But um, yeah, I do have free time. If you want to be specific, it's usually from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock. Okay. Uh, but usually when they go to sleep, that's when I have my free time. And mm-hmm. yeah, I have like one or two hours every day. Mm. Yeah. And how important is that time for yourself? It becomes important if I don't have my free time. in a while so let's say i had like a once a while i'll have like a very very busy week at work i'll have to put in some overtime i'll come home it's already very late i have to go to sleep immediately and go to work next morning and things like that i won't have my free time if it's one or two days it's not a big deal mm-hmm. but when it's for like a whole week or even two weeks it's like uh, my mind starts to get tired very very quickly mm-hmm. so yeah the free time that I have to myself where I don't have to be a parent, I don't have to be a father, I don't have to be anything for anybody kind of relaxes my mind. And I, I usually spend it doing something uh, something that doesn't challenge me at all, uh, which is like video, video games. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't really, uh, I don't know how to put it, but basically it relaxes me when I'm killing zombies. Yeah, it's like you're releasing. Yeah. 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 So I th- I think that's what's important about free time or mm-hmm. maybe it's it's important for men is that that moment where you don't have to be anything. Yeah, no responsibilities. No responsibilities for that moment of course, yeah. no responsibilities or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's almost like a breather. Yeah. And of course being a father I love being a father I love being a uh, being a husband I love having a family and everything and every moment of it is is great but uh, it's like a car engine if you keep mm. it running forever it's is going to break very very quickly mm. you got to stop and let it rest otherwise it will blow up you know Right so how have you changed since the time you were single to becoming a husband 
Um, I am definitely way more responsible now, um, especially financially. When I was a lot younger and when I was single, I would spend majority of my pay on parties and frivolous things. Yeah. But now I spend more of it for my family. What about your focus? So you said you've become more responsible. What's your focus now in the role of a husband? My focus now as a role of a husband is quite simple, just to support my wife in any shape or form. She is a career woman, I could say. She wants to continue working and I support her completely, not financially. I don't need her to work for the money, but that's what she wants to do. So, you know, I do support her in that sense. Wow, that's great. You support her for the things that she wants to do. Yes. That's amazing. How has a relationship evolved from dating to marriage? We kind of think about far, far into the future, almost into the retirement zone. Mm-hmm. And we constantly think about having another child. Can we afford another child? Mainly, we're just concerned about our son. And of course, not just for our son, for ourselves too. We would want to be able to support ourselves uh, when we reach that retirement age. We have a lot of talks about what we should do financially. Where can we invest? Where, how can we spend our money? And things mm-hmm. like that. When you have a son in the picture, how does that impact your relationship with your wife? It impacts our relationship greatly. Of course, I have my life. My wife has her life. And to a certain extent, my son, he goes to daycare and he has his friends and things like that. He has his own life. Relationship revolves around the people that are involved in that relationship. And now as a family, my relationship with my wife includes my son. And that opens up to uh, many opportunities to deeper relationship with my wife. You know, we Mm. teach each other about parenting. We overcome challenges together as parents we create many many memories together happy Mm -hmm. memories angry memories but still great memories all around of course i do let myself go more with my wife or with my son you let loose i let loose exactly yeah when i come home to my family and i feel like i have no more walls around me i can run around with my son do stupid silly things and, you know, nobody will be there to judge me. Well, of course, if I do things like that at work, people just mm-hmm. look at me weird. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, that's, I think that's normal. I do kind of relieve myself when I'm at home emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know how we all grew up watching our parents' relationship? I mean, that was like our first direct relationship that we observed. So how is yours different from your parents? Well, I'm vastly different from my parents, as in my father thought it was a good idea to raise his children away from the country where he worked. I honestly don't know why he thought that was a good idea. Living a life where you cannot see what kind of people your children are becoming, nor have a hand in raising them, that's not me. I want to be a direct influence on their lives. I want to see them on a daily basis and, you know, just great memories together. And what were the things that could not be applied in today's world that was normal you know normal in your parents time well uh, i feel like with our parents or in that generation it was like whatever the man of the family says goes you know and to a certain extent we have to obey and do what the man of the family says so one of the examples here is what you mentioned earlier that your wife doesn't necessarily have to work for financial needs but If she wants to work, then now it's a choice that she can make. And you would rather support her in what she wants to do than stop her from 
doing what she wants to do just because you're the man. Yes, I think, and she also believes that she will be much happier not working. She will be much happier taking care of the house, taking care of, uh, I mean, fully. She does that now as well, but she knows and I know that she will probably be a lot happier doing so. But she will not feel as secure. And regardless of how I feel and regardless of how I think, I would much rather let her do her own thing and let her make her own choices instead of forcing her to do what I think is right. Everybody around me that I know who's married, their wives are also working. And I believe they share the same view as well, or even vice versa. If your significant other does not want to work, does not want to contribute financially, but would want to contribute in other ways, their partners would support them as much as possible. Of course, within reason, I do have few friends that do need two full incomes to support their financial needs. And I do have friends that have really, really huge incomes coming in both ways. It's more about supporting what your partner wants to do, mm-hmm. not pushing what you think is right for your partner. Yeah, that sounds like uh, men are more open to communication and hearing their wives' needs. Mm -hmm. Why is that? You know, on average right now, I think uh, one out of five marriages end up in divorce. And a lot of the people that I know grow up with parents who are divorced and who did not really do well in their parents' relationship. And one way or another, it was a little bit of a dysfunctional situation and you really meet a person that has parents that are still married and still living together you know that's like a rare occurrence and i literally feel like that's one out of five people that i meet that have that kind of family and more often than not a failed relationship comes from miscommunication and i feel like this is also the same in the workplace not just your uh, relationship with your partner in your personal life, but a lot of problems come from miscommunication and one person try to convey information and the other person taking it the wrong way, or one person trying to convey a message but not being able to convey it properly to that person. Mm -hmm. And in today's world where more and more we learn communication is key and with the help of technology, we can communicate more often with people from all over the world. I feel like people are starting to understand more that communicating Mm. something to somebody is way more important than forcing your opinion onto somebody. Right. So let's move on to what is the role of a son in 2020? What is the expectations your parents have from you as a son? Well, you know, since I was a kid, my expectations from my parents were very, very low. (laughs) So I didn't have to achieve some unobtainable goal or whatsoever. And between my siblings, I was the first one to get married and I was the first one to have a child. I was the first one to make my parents into grandparents. So Mm -hmm. in that sense, I feel that my parents are very happy. Um, Yeah, and I think ultimately... Ultimately, what every parents want for their children, uh, regardless of what kind of person they are, is that their children to be happy Mm. and to be able to sustain a life for themselves in any way possible. So, yeah, I think uh, my parents are happy with me. And that's largely because I'm very happy where I am in my life. So I remember you didn't want to have a wedding. No. Yeah. But they wanted you to have a wedding. Yes. Yeah. So you did it for them. To be honest to your viewers, we got married because um, she got pregnant. 
that's literally what happened yeah which um which i take it as a sign from god telling me you need to get married and have a child which turned out great so i'm grateful for that uh accident both of our parents wanted us to have a wedding they couldn't phantom the idea of us not having a party uh, but we told them well you know it's a financial reason we don't want to waste any money that we have we want to spend all on our marriage and on our life and on our child mm-hmm. and then uh, both parties said well we'll pay for it and then we were like okay that's that's an argument we can't disagree with you know mm-hmm. so why not so um so yeah we did not pay anything for the wedding we had that party for our parents yeah and they paid for it so yeah we went through with it so from all the expectations and um you know requests your parents might have from you how much of that was possible to fulfill even till today they don't really expect much from me mm-hmm. because i've already achieved a level where i can sustain from i can sustain a living for myself and from my family so uh-huh. well, i think they're happy with where i am right now so what are the ways you can give back to your parents as a son today I feel like if I have more financial freedom, um, I'll be able to support my parents more financially. But um, currently, supporting my own family is just about enough where we are right now. So I don't have the um, ability to support them in that way. If I can, uh, it would it would make me very very happy if I could support my mother and my father financially. Mm-hmm. in the near future i'm going to have to take care of their health um they are reaching that age where you know they're going to have to uh, need a lot of outside help um but honestly i do have three siblings and you know they they, they do a really good job of taking care of my parents i am i'm not really a good son in that sense um i was one of the first of my siblings to you know leave home and start my own life and things like that right and Has there been a shift in how you look at your parents after you became a parent? I would ask myself like, you know, how come when I was a child they didn't do what I'm doing as a parent right now? As soon as I became a parent, um I was like, okay, I have to start taking care of my health. I have to start doing things to secure his future. There are parts of me that say, hmm, how come my parents didn't think this way, you know? First time I held my son in my arms in the operation room. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first time I ever understood what unconditional love is. Mm. Babies are cute. All babies are cute, but you know, this purple thing. B- babies are purple when they're born, by yeah. the way. They're, they're not skin color. They have to breathe for like an hour or two until their skin becomes uh, you know, skin color. Uh-huh. Holding this purple baby and I'm like, you know, I would do anything for this child i'll give up my you know life for this child mm. and yeah i thought about like maybe this is um how my parents felt when uh, you know they had children and then they had three more children so mm. you know they must have felt something like that yeah let's go to a role of a father then right so what are the things a man can experience only when you become a father I touched on it a, a little bit earlier in the previous question. As soon as you become a father, you understand what unconditional love is. It doesn't matter what your baby looks like, it doesn't matter what he brings to your life, it doesn't matter how or what he says, you just love them no matter what. Like you never question it. Mm, yeah. 
And what are the things you can and want to provide as a father to your child? There are certain things as a father I have to provide, um, you know, a house, food on the table, mm. utilities and things like that. I, I guess that's all across the board. All fathers feel that way. But um, mainly I want to I wanna be the person that he confines in. Of course, this is way later on in his life. But, you know, I want to be his teacher in life. Wow. So you want to share your experience and also want to hear his experience and be there. Every time I see my son, we kind of play together. I kind of wrestle him. I toss him around. I tickle him. In that sense, we're friends. Mm -hmm. um, but when he does misbehave, when he does something that he shouldn't be doing, I do scold him. I do tell him why it's not okay and why, why you shouldn't do it and things like that. In that sense, I am his parent. Mm. And sometimes when he's having trouble with something, when he's trying to achieve a certain goal, I do help him. I do guide him to achieve that goal. And in that sense, I am his teacher. Mm -hmm. That's great. And what are the challenges you face as our society has become more virtual? For me, it's awesome because, mm. you know, I, I am tech savvy. I did study programming and, and all that. So um, being able to work completely from your computer is a great, great advantage for me. What about for your son? I'm sure he knows how to uh, go on Internet and use a laptop or phone. So how tech savvy is he and how's that working for him? Uh, you know, it's amazing. When he was two years old, he would pick up my phone, my old phone, and he would swipe and look for the YouTube app and start swiping up to look for his favorite videos. It helps a lot when it comes in terms of uh, teaching mm -hmm. because I will say things like, if you want ice cream today for dessert, you have to finish your um, educational tablet. And mm -hmm. he'll be like, fine. And he'll just go and start studying for... For like half an hour or something because that's usually how how long it takes for the for the daily routine right and it's it's it's, it's great because you know i thought as an educator myself i thought i'll have to prepare books prepare worksheets prepare all sorts of things that i do want my son to learn before he reaches grade one but this one tablet that does everything for me and I just have to say you have mm -hmm. to do your small zemi and he'll be like okay and he goes and does it right so i have a question tabish from what I think, in my opinion, um, right now your son is four years old, but as he grows older, he would learn how to change the settings. So when he learns that and there is some explicit content out on the Internet, how is that going to impact him or you? Well, to be honest, um, I've done that as a kid. You know, uh, as a child, like as even as early as 10 years old or even seven years old, I think I would go on the Internet and look for explicit content. As a young child, I would watch R-rated movies. Um, you know, my favorite show growing up was South Park. Mm. And, <laughs> and I think South Park really did teach me a lot of English growing up. Um, in a sense, I'm not really worried about that so much because uh -huh. I went through a similar phase and being able to change a setting that your parents put in kind of teaches you a lot of things. Mm. And that in itself was educational for me because I am now tech savvy, thanks to those kind of situations. 
And of course, seeing explicit content or R-rated content for a child is not ideal at all. Of mm. course, that, mm. that's uh, understandable. And there are ways that you could block your child from seeing it. You just have to be above that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, almost in every generation, your children will understand technology better than you would. Mm-hmm. And that's where the challenges came for parents. For example, in the past, they didn't understand how CD players work. So they would ask their kids, like, you know, how do you start a CD or how do you start a movie or things like that? And then slowly start to become about the internet or the computer. Like my mother till today doesn't really know how to use a computer properly. Mm -hmm. And I know by the time I become 50 years old or even 10 years from now, there'll be new technology that I might not understand, but for my son, it's something common in his life. So to protect them from these things, you just have to be above it yourself. You just have to keep educating yourself about the new things that your children are learning and new technologies that are out there just so that you can outsmart your child. So even the parents will need to keep up with the advancement of technology, keep up to date. Um, I also see something about education. So, you know, there are things, even if, let's say, you put the settings on their phone, who knows, maybe his friends have access or they've figured it out, you know. Um, Kids are very smart. So then what do you do when you don't have control over what they're exposed to? Um, In my opinion, I think um, educating them of what's around, what's good for you, what's not good for you, or what is the time for you like educating why can certain things be seen after a certain age could maybe help them understand that they don't need it right now some some kids might still go and do it but do you think that's important to kind of share those thoughts with them uh, yes, I think it's very, very important. I train teachers and they ask me a lot about how to discipline their students and how to control their students better. And of course, one of the things is telling your students, like, you know, sit nicely in the class, pay attention, please. You know, just letting them know what they're, what they're expected of as a student. And even if they don't listen to their teachers, even if they continue misbehaving, the act of you telling them is more important than the result of you telling them what they should be doing or result of you informing them what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. And that's because um, when you do that, when you inform your children or your students uh, what they're doing is wrong, even if they continue doing what they're not supposed to be doing, they understand that what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And in the future, whatever they were doing wrong, if they get caught or if um, they were stopped, it's easier for them to accept their punishment in any shape or form. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, let's say in the future, my son was watching a, um, a snuff film on his phone or, or any device that might be there in the future or a movie that was rated 18 when he's just 10 years old. Well, you know, I explained to him why it's not okay for you to watch is you're still 10 years old. It's not good for your brain. It's not good for your development, yada, yada, yada. And then if he continues doing it, I could just, for example, take away his phone or take away his devices that he uses to watch. Mm-hmm. If I don't inform him why it's wrong to do so, and if I punish him 
for example, take his device away, your, your child or your student will throw a fit mm-hmm. because for them, that act that you're doing, the punishment is all of a sudden. They didn't expect it. They don't know what's going on. So your child will have a fit and that's when you have a challenge on your hand. But from beforehand, if you've warned them, if you've told them what's going to happen, if you continue doing what's wrong, and when, you, when it does happen, they'll have an easier time accepting their punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they understand. They're not stupid. Yep. Being a son, being a father, and being a husband, what do you want to celebrate as a man here? Um, what I enjoy is every little moment that I have with my family. Um, you know, when I do come home, Sometimes my son will greet me at the door and say, dad is home. And sometimes he wouldn't even look at me. His face will be buried into his uh, tablet. He'll be watching YouTube. Um, I enjoy both of those. And I think just living every day with your family is a celebration. Mm-hmm. I love that. Any advice from your experience to those who are looking forward to get married? One is, you know, always be positive. I think in life, in marriage, in work, there's always going to be something wrong that happens. It's just a fact that nobody's perfect. There's always going to be mistakes. There's always going to be something wrong. Uh, But just be positive. If you make a mistake as a person, look at it as a chance to grow. Look at it as a chance to fix your mistakes and become a better person. And to continue on is, you know, don't stress about the little stuff. Don't worry. Um, I just... I'm just not a person that worries so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there were times when my girlfriend, who is my wife now, got pregnant. I did worry. Yeah. It was like, eh, you know, things are going to fall in its place. And it did. Of course, yeah. And it did, yeah. And of course, you can't just leave things up to fate and do nothing about it. But stressing over things, worrying about things, and being negative about certain situations and certain things doesn't really help you at all. So always be positive, always keep moving forward and don't stress. So I'm currently engaged and soon to be married. So I might come back to you for some advice. Okay, anytime, anytime I could help a friend. Awesome. Thanks, Tabish. See you soon. Thank you. What are your thoughts on the topic today? In the next episode, we will be covering society and career within what does it mean to be a man in 2020? And this will be the last episode of the series. Thank you for joining. Until next time.